The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to the crowds, This is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scatter seed on the land and would sleep and rise the next day. And through it all, the seed would sprout and grow. He knows not how. Of its own accord, the land yields fruit. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, he wheels the sickle at once, for the harvest has come. And he said, To what shall we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, that when it is sown in the ground, it is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to understand it. Without parables, he did not speak to them. But to his own disciples, he explained everything in private. The Gospel of the Lord. Over the past two to three hundred years or more, there have been a great many systems that have come into existence that were in some way supposed to bring about some degree of human perfection, some paradise on earth. They were formulas. Sometimes they were simply intellectual, like rationalism or positivism. Many more, too. There are countless philosophies that have arisen in the last perhaps two to four hundred years. There are political systems, too. Fabian socialism. Different types of nationalism. Fascism. And the worst of all, dialectical materialism. Marxism. With revolution, with revolution we know as communism. The most destructive and dehumanizing political and economic force in history so far. All of these systems were supposed to bring about a certain, as I said, paradise on earth. At last, humanity had found the secret. And the reign of God was no longer necessary. The kingdom of God was obsolete. The church was only an obstacle or a hindrance. 
we will find new kingdoms, new reigns, but not the church. It's amazing how people still cling to that idea. When you think of the tens of millions of people who have died as a result of those systems and as a result of the church becoming somewhat marginalized. A pleasant thing, you could have it if you want to. It's an, it's an option, but you certainly can't build a system of uh, community around that. Not a government, not a nation. No, that's got to come through human resources alone. Our Lord, obviously, is telling us just the opposite. The kingdom of God is the very center of human existence. The church, as we know her, is. I remember once hearing, or reading, rather, a um, a journalist who, who wrote that, he said, if it weren't for Christianity, and the church in particular, we would undoubtedly think that Hitler's Germany was the best form of government ever invented. There was order, chaos was no longer there, there was control. There is one big difference in this. There are many big differences. In each one of those cases that I mentioned, the individual no longer really has any value. The individual is just a cog. As someone once said, so many grapes to be ground to make the totalitarian wine of the state. But not so with the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God, each individual has infinite value in the eyes of God. We ourselves are finite and limited, but God's love is not. Each one of us has a dignity that must be respected. Each one of us has not only a life, but a destiny beyond ourselves. Today's gospel, our Lord speaks of the kingdom of God, the church. He describes it as we see it. As if a man were to scatter seed on the land, went to sleep, through it all the seed begins to sprout and grow. One knows not how. And then it's time for the harvest. That's the church. She grows throughout history. There are always, again, in any period of time, not just in the last two to 400 years, but before that, systems that will try to destroy her, but she continues to grow. And then he uses the example of the mustard seed, one of the most beautiful, I think, in scriptures of the parables. Uh, The smallest of all the seeds in the earth, but it becomes the largest of plants, puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. That's the church. Now the world will say, the church? Well, the church is responsible for most of what's wrong in the world today. No, I think we will find that all of the great problems in the last hundred years, anyway, came from atheism. The church was always having to fight it, and the church always will. Even if she is ignored or marginalized, she is still going to be the force that will change the history of the world for the better. And they will say, well, look at her. Look at her history. Her history has been a rough one, hasn't it? She's had to live through a great many different cultures and civilizations. She's always there. 
And even if those civilizations or the members of the church sometimes are less than one might desire, she is always that transforming influence and will remain so as the kingdom of God. And you and I are part of her. And then they will say, well, look at the scandals. My response to that is always the same thing. You've heard it before. I'm not saying anything new. No, I will not. I'm aware of them. What I will look at is the church as the kingdom of God, as the body of Christ, a living, breathing body, of which I am a very important member, in fact, an essential and unique member. The kingdom of God, I will look at the saints. I will look at her holiness. I will look at the sacraments. I will look at those things that are far above anything that's human, that brings us beyond our own humanness, which only she can do. No human political system, no human ideological system can do it. It will only drag us down into the, into the world of animals, and we can never allow ourselves to become that. It's really quite fascinating, I think, when you, when you read, get a good history of the church sometime and read it, what she's had to go through and what caused the things that were going on at the time. But you know, I remember T.S. Eliot had something to say about the church reflecting upon her. He said, why should men love the church? Why should they love her laws? She speaks of life and death and of all things they would forget. She is tender when they would be hard and hard where they would like to be soft. She speaks of evil and sin and other unpleasant things. They constantly try to escape the darkness outside and within and dream of systems so perfect that no one will need to be good. The world, once again, is trying to tear up the pictures of holiness, life, family, marriage, and the value of each individual. But the church is always through history is saving the negatives. And when the time comes, and it always is, she'll be ready to restore those things, humanity, at least for a time, has wished to lose. The best part of it is that the kingdom of God is not only an idea, as all those ideologies were. The kingdom of God is a reality. We are the body, and the Eucharist is the center of it all. We aren't simply holding on to a thought. We have the person who makes it all happen. We have the center of creation, the center of history with us, and we are here for a few moments to be present for that. So, we go on then. We go on to remind the world that there is no system so perfect that we will no longer need to be good. It's only grace that can accomplish that. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For all fathers, especially the fathers of our parish, 
they may be true visible signs of God the Father, exercising an authority that comes from him, be visible signs of his love, especially to their families and their children. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For the church throughout the world, her members will always be visible signs of Jesus Christ present in the midst of history, especially the church suffering. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For all nations of the world, especially our own, that they may be open to the preaching of the gospel, for a greater reverence for fatherhood in those nations, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For all those who are sick and suffering, they may know that they are united to the church, particularly in their suffering. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have left the reign of God, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For greater respect for human life, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will come to serve the kingdom of God in a unique way. For a greater reverence for the role of marriage in the single life in the body of Christ, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that having first experienced the power of grace in their lives, they may then be visible signs of Christ's body to others, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For all of our parishioners who are on pilgrimage this weekend, that they may travel safely and be refreshed and renewed, we pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disasters, particularly for our fathers who have died, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed And for all of us here, that our lives will reflect the grace that we receive through the body of Christ, the Church, particularly the grace of the Eucharist, we pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of the Church as we sing. 